0: Welcome back to Booze and Buffy, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel one by one. We will be free of spoilers from future episodes, but don't be surprised if we throw in a spoiler from a previous episode we talked about. I'm Jason and I'm very confused having been thrown into the lobby of a random law firm.
1: (laughs) And I am Harrison and I am... Deeply opposed to the killing of children despite having no other morals whatsoever. Jason, which episode of Daredevil are we
0: watching today? Oh man, you took my joke. Oh, <laughs> Pretend I didn't say it. Pretend uh, I didn't say it. Go for your joke. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, well, we were watching actually a crackerjack of an episode. This is Angel Season 1, Episode 21, Blind Date. And unless you count. Lindsay and Angel meeting up. There isn't really a date in this one. But uh this is the one She has a date to kill those kids. That's true. <laughs> this is the one where when Lindsay finds out that uh some children are in danger of being killed by a blind assassin, he decides to uh, grow a little bit of a backbone and ask Angel for help. Then he loses that backbone.
1: Yep. Uh, Blind Date was written by Janine Renshaw and was directed by Thomas J. Wright and originally aired on May 16th, 2000.
0: Jason, what are you drinking this week? Uh, Harrison, you were nice enough to pour me a glass of bourbon. Mm-hmm. Um, While well, you uh, took the last beer, yes. the Pabst Blue Ribbon, he gave me the choice. I don't like Pabst Blue Ribbon, so <laughs> I was okay with drinking the bourbon.
1: I'm gonna make a point for our next episode to have something new because <laughs> um, it's a big episode, and um, yeah, we've been. At, but and we've, also, we're gonna have company. We are going to, spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> oh,
0: who could it be? Who could it be yeah. now?
1: Um. Uh, guess below in the comments. Uh, uh, oh, it's your turn to test.
0: It is. Um, here is to putting aside your personal interest for your morals. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> no clink because Harrison's drinking out of the can. Mm-hmm.
1: <sighs> Nothing like a good old three pm on a Sunday beer.
0: <laughs> That's how you know you've made it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny. When we went and started the episode, I was like, honestly, I don't remember what I feel about this episode. I think it's probably kind of a throwaway. And coming out of it, I was like, I really liked this episode. I do too. This and is... it's not a throwaway at yeah, all. Yeah,
0: um, it's funny because we were talking about, uh, before the episode started, how... Um, obviously the both of us have seen all of Angel and, uh, it's been interesting revisiting this first season because it very much feels like an urban fantasy ground level, like, um, like street level Mm -hmm. story. But this show, and these aren't spoilers, this is just kind of like a more of a heads up. This show develops a huge mythology, one that could... One that stands toe to toe with Buffy. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's a mythology all its own. But that isn't really apparent in this first season, with maybe like one or two exceptions, yeah. like the oracles and stuff like that. But this episode actually does build up that mythology in both the scroll that Angel finds and, uh, basically we kind of get to see the inner work like we'd seen a little bit of Wolfram and Hart before especially mm-hmm. in the faith two-parter but it's really broken open in this yeah
1: um we get introduced to holland manners mm-hmm. um played by sam anderson uh aka bernard from lost um and, and also just a lot of other stuff he's, he's he's very much one of those character actors who uh pops up all over the place and yeah we learn a lot more about the inner workings of wolferman Hart. um we yeah this i i remember thinking like as we started i was like oh yeah this is the blind assassin episode and that's really
0: there to drive the conflict it's almost secondary it's because very much y- secondary yeah because uh there was a time where, in the middle of the episode, I'm like, "Wow, we kind of just forgot about that blind assassin, yeah. didn't we?" She
1: she almost bookends the episode. Mm-hmm. She's what starts off the conflict, um, and is and you know it's what ultimately they have to stop. But the episode is, you know, you could call this episode all about Lindsay,
0: pretty um, much. But uh, let's uh, since we're talking about starting, let's just hop right let's into do it. it and, and hop, uh, Hoppity hip. Okay, I don't know <laughs> that was. Just ignoring. Now um, we do start off with a a toy from my youth. <laughs> uh, if for those of you who are familiar, these toys are basically soldiers on their uh, on their stomachs, and uh, they have uh, guns in their hands. And basically, what they do is they are crawling, kind of like crawling through the trenches. And uh, most versions of this toy, they the soldiers crawl about, like, three scooches and uh, three movements of their legs, and then they stop, and then the gun shoots. So, like, you get the uh, sound of, like, bullets firing, and typically the uh, gun lights up at the end. Uh, I don't know if you had any of these toys. I did not. My brother and I both had one, and I thought it was the coolest thing ever, because you could just, like watch it move across the floor. It'd be like... And that was... that. I thought that was cool when I was a kid. There is something very satisfying
1: about those types of toys that, like, moved on their own. That, like, I'm thinking... Do you remember those little, like, kind of, like, robot dogs? Yeah. That, like... They, like, weirdly, like, went down on their, like, front paws or, like... I, I can't remember exactly how they moved, but it was it's very strange. It wasn't how a dog actually
0: walks. But. Well, I had a dog that... I had a dog toy that actually did... Uh, one, like, they were... Like, what well, was a robot dog? It looked like a dog as opposed mm-hmm. to looking like a robot dog. Yeah. Okay. Um And uh, it was cool because it actually could... in Well, I say interpret. It could, like, receive commands... Um so Yes, I think so, I know like, what you're talking about. If you said about. sit, it would actually like the le- the back legs would move and it would sit down. And then you could say like uh come and it would walk towards you. And that was like super cool. Is that what you're talking about? No. Okay. Like like I said, mine actually look like a dog. Okay. Like that that I'm sure that thing does similar stuff, but uh that that looks like flat out like a robot. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one actually kind of like looked like a dog and it had like a little red sweater too. Oh, um, yeah, I, I love that toy so much. I, I, and I think it was a nice kind of way for my parents to get me a dog without getting a dog, without getting a dog. <laughs> um, cause yeah, there was a point early on in my life that I wanted a, that I wanted a dog, but I think my parents probably rightfully so didn't think that i would be responsible (laughs) enough to do all the stuff for the dog so now do you remember this the robo raptor i remember commercials for it but i
1: i never had one i had one and i i mean you know me i fucking loved that thing
0: yeah i i guess like an actual kind of like moving dinosaur wasn't uh something that i was a huge fan Mm -hmm. of but uh I mean, I like dinosaurs. I had dinosaur toys. Um, all kids did pretty much. (laughs) Especially in the nineties when you were like in a post Jurassic Park world. Like right. Jurassic Park was recent. Uh, but anyway, um, we see a blind woman walking through this little kind of like, uh, market that's a very loose market. Kind of street vendors. Yeah. Street vendors and stuff. And like, uh. Reason we show these these toys are being shown because they don't have any actual influence on the episode at all. <laughs> is because uh, the unless you want to draw some like obtuse comparison about how Lindsay's a soldier for Wolfram and Hart. I mean, uh, but that's yeah. reaching. That is <laughs> reaching. But uh, yeah, and you have this blind woman who is walking through, and uh, and she has her um, cane, and uh, people are moving stuff out of the way for her. And uh, then you go ahead and show Angel beating the shit out of vampires. You know, kind of what he does. Um, particularly uh, badass death yeah. in this one. Um, Angel's able to, like, kind of rig up a vampire and fling him towards a stack of pallets where he gets impaled right. and dusted. That was pretty fucking metal. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and uh, as Angel's about to leave, he hears a noise and sees a person coming out, and they've been stabbed, and he sees them die. And uh, Angel decides to figure out, like, who killed this person. Because it was a human. Yeah. Wasn't a wasn't a demon or anything. And uh, he comes across this blind woman. And, uh, or he comes across this woman with sunglasses. And she kind of beats the crap out of mm-hmm. him. And uh, it isn't until, like, near the end of the fight when he pulls the glasses off and sees that she's got, like, the fogged over eyes, so she is blind. Yeah. It's a... Or she's got, like, some wicked bad cataracts. Yeah. It's a very... Like, obviously...
1: It's weird how they do this. I thought it was just a little strange to... Obviously, Angel needs to see it so that he knows that she's blind because he hasn't seen her up to this point but the musical chord that plays there is very dramatic. Like we're learning it. And it's like, but we, we knew, we knew that she was blind cause we saw her, her introduction. Um, I'm also grateful that they didn't, they, they were kind of playing toward their fake out openings that they do sometimes with, oh no, this blind woman, she's gonna be in terrible danger. Oh no, she is the terrible danger. <laughs> But they get to it really quickly because I think they smartly were like, at this point, I think they're wise to us now. Like, they... <laughs> good good
0: choice by both writer and director. Yeah, yeah, uh,
1: yeah. Let's let's get to it. We know your tricks.
0: <laughs> but yeah, um, we have our opening credits, and then we have uh, Wesley and Cordy doing the legwork, doing the doing the computer work and wesley's basically just trying to figure out like all the different types of all the different types of demons that it could possibly be and cordelia just you know just like types into the computer just does a random search for blind woman murder and we get vanessa almost said vanessa uh, (laughs) Redgrave, vanessa Vanessa brewer Brewer. uh i watched all the mission impossible movies yesterday so (laughs) Vanessa Redgrave's like you say, Vanessa. That's going to be the first thing that pops <laughs> in my head. Um,
1: interesting how her search for blind woman murder didn't apparently result in any The anything. murder of a blind woman. Yeah, nothing like that. Just, uh, but I'll accept it for the sake of television.
0: But yes, uh, it does say that. Um, it does say that she's had multiple criminal incidences. I'm I'm saying incidences because they she, there are times that she was acquitted, times that she wasn't brought to trial at all, and she's currently on trial for a double homicide. And uh she's on bail, which is why uh, Angel was able to, you know, run into her. Uh, but they do notice guess which law firm is um, representing her who in court. Pretty ballsy
1: to murder someone while you're currently on trial
0: for another murder. I mean, she's apparently a hot commodity amongst the clients of Wolfram and Hart. So uh, you and, know what? I can see why though. She's very formidable. Yeah. Um, and uh, who else is representing her but our boy Lindsay McDonald? Lindsay McDonald. And uh, what's fantastic is that. He's going through his whole argument of how it was absolutely impossible for his blind client to have done any of these crimes. Angel just walks in and throws something right... I'm not sure what is it's it is. her glasses. It is her glasses? Yeah. Okay. That he took. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He throws the glasses right at Vanessa and she catches them. But and From from, from behind. behind. Yeah. From behind. And then like Angel just runs out. But... One, really funny, really awesome, but unfortunately, it is to Doesn't no avail because she does get all the charges dropped, which Lee is uncomfortably impressed with. He smiles at one point, and I, <laughs> I, I, I audibly just went ew. <laughs> yeah, no. When Lin- so Lindsay, is, Lindsay is um is looking at uh um the higher ups uh congratulating vanessa on escaping the charges and then lee just kind of shows up and i was just me like ugh. but then yeah he gets it is just he is weird
1: he is not saving room for the holy spirit yeah Yeah. no he is right
0: (laughs) up on Lindsay, and it's kind of gross like just because just because Lee is a gross individual, where imagine if this scene it was Lila
1: instead of Lee, we'd be like, "This is fucking hot."
0: Yeah, like... and that's the thing. Like, uh, and we've mentioned it before, but Lindsay and Lila, they are able to be um, to have like a gross inside, but a really calming, attractive exterior. Both of them, yeah, I'll say it. They're both really hot, but. Um, lee is gross inside in and <laughs> i feel like we have just this slammed man. this actor but <laughs> his appearance is made to just be this nasty guy oh, i hate him i i do though watching this
1: episode i i finally appreciated his purpose mm-hmm. on the show um, and we'll get to that when we talk about his very satisfying
0: death. <laughs> yeah, he's he's meant to look untouchable, mm-hmm. along with the other lawyers. Yeah. But um, after the awkward congratulations from Lee, uh, one of one of the uh, these technically aren't the senior partners, but these I think not. it's safe to say that he is like an like an
1: executive or a, probably like a he, VP or something.
0: Maybe a. I think maybe it could be a partner. Um, maybe just a, not partner. a senior partner.
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna look up what Hollins.
0: Uh, but yeah, because um, Lindsay is clearly an associate, mm-hmm. um, as are Lila and Lee. Uh, but it definitely seems like he has a bit of. It seems like Hollis Manners has a or er, holland 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 pardon me
1: his um his page just says high ranking lawyer and executive so i get i don't okay, think we've ever maybe. ever gotten um, a specific title yeah, for him
0: he's so apparently he's not a partner obviously not a senior partner uh but higher than Lindsay's level which is associate. um so maybe an executive associate or something like that, that means- uh, sorry. I've been, it's really funny because this episode is very heavy on the law firm and I've actually also <laughs> been watching the last season of the practice lately. So very strange kind of overlap, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so Holland calls over, uh, Lindsay to, uh, shake hands with the, uh, to actually kind of meet Vanessa, um, and, con- and congratulate them all. And Vanessa, in, I believe her only lines in the episode uh, do does thank Lindsay mm-hmm. and it and it puts him off a little bit. Yeah. Um, and she says, "Nice
1: know, to uh, nice to see you again."
0: Yeah, and you know, I wouldn't say that I'm put off by blind people, but I'm put off by this blind person. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, I'm I'm put off by anyone who is a murderer for hire. <laughs> but the. Uh, but, um, Holland then asked Lindsay to come into his office or no, come into the boardroom that they were in. Mm-hmm. And, uh, this is a really good scene. It very much is reminiscent of the scenes between Faith and the mayor in season three of Buffy. Yeah. Oh, I didn't um, think because, about that, but you're yeah, right. Well, it is. It's grooming. It, yes. It's grooming. It is a mentor and their mentee and, um, and, but it's also evil but in a very different way from the mayor Mm and faith. Um, Yeah, the... um, Holland really comes across as a wise father-like mentor. Mm -hmm. Maybe not a father substitute, but definitely a wise father-like mentor. Yeah, And Lindsay definitely feels comfortable with him. But I would say to kind of
1: Parallel this metaphor. Um, and I'm basing this on this one episode that we've met Holland in. The mayor had a very legitimate father-like love for Faith. It was twisted. It was dark. But it was, you know, he really, his he was sincere. Holland I, I, strikes me as he likes Lindsay and... Obviously he gives him a second chance after discovering his betrayal, but he strikes me as a, there isn't a third chance. And this is, I am not, I'm going to utilize kind of a a father-like position to get you to do what I want, but I really don't have strong actual father like feelings can i you.
0: can i make a um can I make a counter okay argument? go for it um i'd say faith and faith in the mayor's relationship father daughter um Lindsay and holland's relationship father son okay distant father son okay because yeah. i could easily see like a because you know in our toxic masculine world um, men are often pressured to keep their sons at a distance so that their sons can, in fact, be strong, hard men. Mm-hmm. And I I wouldn't say that I speak from this from personal experience, uh, but, you know, there might be a little bit of that, um, maybe when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, not now, my not now. Uh, I'm I'm on good terms with all of my like parental, <laughs> uh, figures both biological and non uh but i think that there is a um just a running theme of men having to be walled off mm-hmm. and trying to teach their sons to be tough yeah and i that's kind of the if we're going for like a father relationship i think that i think it is kind of like an admiration maybe even to that level but well, it,
1: and we learn Lindsay talks about how much contempt he had for his actual father. Mm-hmm. So I think you're right because um, he he says he does not want to be the type of man his father was. And based on what we hear about it, Holland does seem like the polar opposite. Um, so yeah, actually, I I think you're exactly right. It's it's funny we're you know we're talking about Buffy and Angel where which is uh, No Shortage of Terrible Fathers. <laughs> and I'm also currently re-watching Lost, the king the king of terrible fathers show. Oh, uh, good,
0: good old Tom Sawyer. Oh, God, uh, a piece <laughs> of fucking work. <laughs> yeah. um, don't to be confused with Sawyer. Uh, yeah. uh, by the way, um, I don't know how many of the Mission Impossible movies you've seen, but Josh I've Holloway has them. a small part in... Mission Impossible 4 Ghost Protocol. Very cool. Uh, nice. But uh, Oh,
1: yeah. J.J. Abrams, right?
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's actually not the one that J.J. Abrams directed. Oh, okay. J.J. Um, Abrams directed the third Mission Impossible, which has Carrie Russell in it. Um, <laughs> Love Kerry Russell. And uh, he only directed the third one, but he became a producer for the movies afterwards. Uh, so it's bad Robot productions. However, Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol... Widely considered to be the best among the Mission Impossible fan base. Mine's kind of the third. Uh, but that also has Philip Seymour Hoffman as the villain. But the fourth one is directed by Brad Bird. Oh, cool. Yeah. I didn't know he did, like, live-action directing. Well, um, well, he did Tomorrowland. And I didn't know uh, that. my friend Alex and I were actually just talking about this, how um, Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol kind of became like a... Oh, this could be like great for Brad Bird's live action directing. Unfortunately, Tomorrowland, a movie that I loved, uh, did not get the strong reception that Disney was hoping for. Probably because Disney didn't know how to market it. Uh, but no, the movie I uh, here's no, a movie not re- Disney. Here's a here's a movie. Yeah, John Carter. Um, here's a movie recommendation for you guys. Tomorrowland. Go in as blind as you can, like don't see any of the trailers or anything like that. Just go in and appreciate a really good story, and and something that very much in line is in line with what Brad Bird does. And uh, unfortunately, that response kind of maybe torpedoed his live action uh, career. That sucks. But I mean, Brad Bird also gave us the Iron Giant ratatouille and the two incredible movies so even if he just just if, even if he does just stick to animation he's fine we're okay i love
1: i mean all of those are great movies but the incredibles are really like i love the incredibles it's I, fantastic i love that it's i like yeah it's a superhero movie and that's really fun but it's it's a family it's movie a family movie, movie and I,
0: I i could go on all day but I, so i won't Bye. Uh (laughs) Uh, but yeah, uh so uh, tracking all the way back to Bad Dads. Uh (laughs) but no, um so Holland is uh telling those other partners about how great Lindsay is, and um and now he's kind of having like a father son chat. Uh he says and it's interesting the way that he phrases it because he's like, Oh, you've tied your star to us. And it's a great way you're going to go far. But at this point, you're also kind of thinking, is that all there is? I actually kind of had a little bit of these feelings uh, just a couple months ago, actually. Um, I mean, I can get a, I'll get a, I'll go a little into it. But uh, I, um, the last couple years, p- pandemic withstanding, yeah. or notwithstanding, whatever that phrasing is. Uh, but like, disregarding the pandemic the last couple years have been really great for me. I got a really good job and, uh, I then got promoted in that job. So I actually was able to buy my own house and, uh, I've been able to, in the times that I can spend with my friends, I've been able to like my really deep friendships I've developed even more. And Mm -hmm. I kind of, uh, have just kind of upgraded them to what they truly are. And that's family. Uh, my, my family that I found, not my family that I was born with. Yeah. And uh, you Harrison knows that he's a part of this. Young <laughs> he's he's part of my fam. He and, has uh, to say that. I've got a knife. <laughs>
1: Tell him how great I am. <laughs> you don't
0: know how to stab somebody, do you? <laughs> I
1: do. I, I mean, if I had an actual knife in my hand, I, it would be more <laughs> realistic.
0: <laughs> You're, like, stabbing somebody like Roberto from, from Futurama. i to stab you! <laughs> uh, but no, there actually was a time when I, uh, a couple months ago, that I kind of looked back and I thought, wow, I'm, like, I'm in a really good place right now. Uh, just, you know, being able to, like, I have everything that I need and I can get a lot of things that I want, too. And I just, I did kind of think to myself, is this, did I like really quickly reach like kind of the point that takes people years to get to? And like, am I kind of minus conflict at the moment? And I had talked with a couple of good people and I, one, I should appreciate where I am now, appreciate what I have, which I do, but also, um what where I'm at now may it becomes a good springboard into chances and risks that I will be taking mm-hmm. in the next couple of years yeah. so yeah it's but I, it was just interesting how and I want to share that with you all I want to share that with all the strangers that listen
1: to our podcast yeah it's um no I know I know what you mean um as someone who is currently, kind of in a place where, you know, John and I are re-stabilizing our lives after they got so destabilized after I lost my job. Um, and now I'm working again. Uh, it's, it's very much like a, okay, like now we can actually start looking forward and making plans instead of like being so heavily focused on just, surviving yeah um and you know that's uh, that's that's i recognize that that's a privilege that we have it to is to be able yeah. to have that and not everyone does um so yeah and and yeah it's definitely is kind of like a okay what is next or or even if we don't know the answer to what is next we can we can at least be thinking about it mm-hmm. which is cool
0: but also like never keep in mind just how how great it is mm-hmm how nice it is to be in that spot. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and, and basically what Holland is saying to Lindsay is that um, he knows that Lindsay's been going through a little bit of a crisis almost, or uh, being held down by his bad decisions that he's made. For instance, faith. Uh yeah. I think he even says that he's having a crisis of faith. Uh, <laughs> which I thought, is that a little cheeky reference? Uh, Probably. But uh, he does say that he needs to really kind of think about what is important to him going forward. And uh, like he's about to like make some decisions that are going to be huge. Yeah. And uh, this leads to... This leads to him visiting Angel Investigations, which Angel's not excited about because Angel just... We see that he found out that um, Vanessa was cleared of all charges. And at this point, he starts... Angel starts kind of questioning, how am I able to go forward? Because Mm -hmm. I can fight this evil, but it will not be imprisoned because Wolfram and Hart is going to be there. And it is... And he very much points out. He very correctly points out that it is a system where there is no guilt. Mm-hmm. It is a system that is free of responsibility because they know every single way on how to manipulate it. Yep,
1: which just annoys wow. the crap
0: out of him. And it just hits. So
1: in 2021, hearing that line from. 20 years ago, nearly. But the truth Ugh. is,
0: e- even watching the practice, I see things that are relevant today. I think... I Because
1: think these ma- problems have been around for so yeah, long. Yeah,
0: I think matters that involve the legal system, the justice system, and of course, like also, if you want to extend it out to the police system, you're more than welcome to. <laughs> and that stuff is... It is systemic, and it has been uh, prolific throughout and we still have these issues there honestly there are some that are just now being brought to light and trying to be fought against yeah it's interesting this this
1: kind of existential crisis that angel's having here is and we're kind of where he ends up at the end of the episode is very um it's kind of the first instance of we we get it's not expressed to the full extent that it will go on later, but kind of the show's core theme about even if you don't win, even if you can't win, you still have to fight the good fight.
0: Yeah, and, um, and Angel says the same thing that Holland says to Lindsay, you're looking for your place in this world. Mm-hmm. And Angel's like, I don't know if I have a place in this world. In this existence that I've like kind of bound myself to. Lindsay, however, shows up, and uh, he has one thing that Holland does tell Lindsay is that Vanessa is going to be used to take out children, mm-hmm. and lynn This actually really shakes them. Really shakes Lindsay because I mean, hey, you know what? It's totally normal to be against the murder of children. <laughs> yep. I want I want that stated here on the on, record. On the record, <laughs> we are. Booze anti- and Buffy does not approve of the murder of children. <laughs> no. Nah. Um.
1: I I had a thought, but I'm going to save it for the end of the episode. Okay,
0: all right. And uh, Lindsay says that he wants out, mm-hmm. and there was actually a part of me that thought that maybe this was. Lindsay being duplicitous. Like trying to play Angel? Yeah. Because that's what we are... That's what we've kind of come to expect from not just Wolfram and Hart, but also from our LMs. Yeah. And, uh... Okay, so that's...
1: I'm gonna say what I was gonna say
0: because it ties in really nicely to what you were
1: just saying. It's... I I like that because... Yes, he comes completely sincerely that he wants out. And what we could have seen is maybe the beginning of a redemption arc for, for, um, for Lindsay. He does leave Wolfram and Hart, maybe starts working for Angel and, or and has to like earn their trust and all that. I could very easily have seen them taking that road. Um, it's not an uncommon arc for a television show to take, but no, the end of the episode had, you know, he does this one good thing but it doesn't make him a good guy. Yeah. And he as I made that Godfather reference when he closes the door to the office. But yeah, it is he makes his choice at the end. Yeah, I I well, had this thing... qualm and I fought against it, but I this is where I want to be.
0: But one thing I do appreciate is that he was legitimately sincere about wanting out. At yeah. The, at the at this point in the episode. Yeah.
1: It makes his character much richer that this is sincere. Yeah. And that he 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 actively changes his mind. Um, but yeah,
0: and yeah. then um, that's when he has this tête-à-tête with Angel, and it is uh, <laughs> Angel's at first like not believing any of this. I love what he he. He gives this whole
1: tragic backstory, super poor, six of us kids in a room, and then flu season came, and they were just four, which, really dark, but he just kind of keeps going. You know, their house got foreclosed. I hated my dad, because he was a little bitch. Um, And Angel pretends to fall asleep. I'm sorry, (laughs) did you get to the part where you're evil? (laughs) And, you know, that is something... I'm always interested in with villains, you know, tragic backstories, like, how, like...
0: Or at the very least, motivation.
1: Yeah, motivation, and it's, how do you, how does that make you feel? What do you do with that? And for me, it's very, um... There's a song in the musical Chess called Pity the Child, where the main, one of the the characters singing it is a complete fucking piece of shit, um... And he's singing about how shitty his childhood was and how, like, it led to him becoming the man he is today. But he basically is telling, like, the audience, like, you can feel bad for that kid, but it's totally fine if you really fucking hate me. And that's kind of how it is. It's like, yeah, I feel yeah. bad for kid Lindsay, but what what is it? What's he eating? Sloppy steaks? Is that... Because he's a piece of shit? Is Sloppy because that- <laughs> he's a huge piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: I'm so happy that you brought that up. Well, I was surprised
1: you didn't when I said piece of shit earlier. But anyway,
0: uh, keep going. Um, so in my perfect world, villains in stories would primarily have really good motivations, really great backstories. And then every now and again, we would get a villain like the Joker from The Dark Knight, that has no ulterior motive, has no backstory, is literally just mm-hmm. an agent of chaos. That's my perfect world of storytelling. <laughs> no, that's right. There's um,
1: my, my Comfort Empty Calories TV show, Once Upon a Time.
0: <laughs> Here we go.
1: Loves its villain with a tragic backstory who eventually redeems themselves.
0: Yeah, there is given once upon a time structure, since we've already uh talked about loss a little bit <laughs> yeah like i remember i have actually seen the first two and a half seasons of once upon a time and i remember when i started watching and like wow okay so we've got like this um we've got this large ensemble and every episode tackles a new member of the ensemble and we have their backstory <laughs> yep. and, like what is this familiar uh, what does yep. this remind me of and um i'm Lost,
1: I'm pretty sure Lost had, or Once Upon a Time had a lot of writers from Lost working on it. Oh, yeah. And Jane Espenson, yep. who always wrote the best episodes. But in season four, they introduced Cruella DeVille, played beautifully by Vittoria Smurfitt. And they do an episode called Sympathy for the DeVille. <laughs> and it's her backstory. And they, you get the shitty parent. Treat like locked her in her room and like was like she wasn't allowed to like talk to anyone in the outside world blah blah blah. and then the twist in the episode is that's because that little girl was a full-on fucking monster (laughs) had poisoned her father just because she felt like it and that yes Cruella was irredeemably evil and I was like Great. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, like, the
0: sympathetic backstories are, like, they're, they're good and everything, especially if they're done well, but, like, if you get a random just, like, yeah, this person's just evil... Like that's That's always great It's a yes. nice little Palate cleanser on Yes
1: I remember watching That episode And actually being Kind of annoyed At how stereotypical The backstory was For her And then we got That twist I was like
0: Awesome How would you say That compares to uh, The Cruella movie That came out recently I Haven't seen it yet oh, oh I thought you had seen it No I haven't Okay Alright well then I'm, I'm, I'm eager I to mean, hear your story
1: I know Your opinion I, I've read about it And I know what Makes her evil in it <laughs>
0: Goddamn <laughs> <Just> goddamn dalmatians <laughs>
1: i i saw a review of that on letterboxd that was like it was a generally a positive review but it was like i'm furious that this movie about a dog murderer had no murdered dogs in it. <laughs> she didn't murder a single dog
0: there was a um they did a uh they did a really great uh and i don't know if there's a full version of this but i know that uh like they've been doing these Deadpool reviews and it's Ryan Reynolds dressed as Deadpool and uh oh. and I, I think he did a review of Black Widow or something um that might be wrong maybe It maybe is Jungle Cruise but uh they said previously on Deadpool reviews and it is like uh, Cruella and it just like shows him watching all these scenes from the movie and he just is looking at doesn't say a word and then he's like where are the fucking dogs <laughs>
1: I, I was actually going to watch it a couple weeks ago because um, I thought it was on Disney Plus, but it, it's actually not available yet on Premier Disney Plus. access. Um, and uh, so I just ended up watching the uh the Glenn Close 101 yeah. Dalmatians. You know, that's not a bad movie. It was great. <laughs> it was such a fun time.
0: Anyway, okay. Um, <laughs> enough about these Dalmatians. Yeah. Uh, Interesting
1: backstories for villains are good. Um, yeah. Um.
0: But, yeah, and Angel just doesn't care. Doesn't give a shit. But uh, that's when Lindsay does bring up, hey, there are, like, kids that are, their lives are in danger. Yeah. And uh, that's when, you know, Angel kind of perks up, and he's like, okay, well, I'll help you, but you gotta, like, you gotta help me. Like, you can't just expect me to do all of this. So that's when they start planning. And uh, Lindsay gives us a breakdown of a lot of the defenses that Wolfram and Hart has. So we're really seeing kind of the... We're branching out even more into just how crazy Wolfram and Hart is. Yeah. And uh, they have shamans that can detect vampires. They have mind readers that are kind of like drug testing. Mm -hmm. Like instead of random drug testing... You have random mind reads now. I that actually kind of makes me wonder: Do they have random drug testing, or can you just like I, can you just smoke a bowl and then go right into? I was it? literally
1: about to say it's it's probably encouraged.
0: Like, <laughs> hey man, whatever gets you through the work. Today. It's a law firm.
1: There's there 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 are Coke dispensers in the bathroom, <laughs> and not Coca-Cola. <laughs>
0: but uh, when yeah. Um, they kind of get a pretty good, uh, they get a pretty good idea going like Angel or um, Lindsay's going to run interference on the surveillance and, uh, and he's also a little worried, like, oh man, if they like, if I go in there and they mind read me, figure all this out, they'll kill me. Angel's like, "Eh, that's a risk we're going to have to (laughs) take. That's what's called (laughs) acceptable risk. Oh no. Uh, but he does say that, oh, there is like a a slight snag in the plan they have vampire detectors and angels like okay i got an idea for that. Cordelia's a little worried because she's like why can't the evil lawyer do all of this? <laughs> yes. And uh but Angel is I like Angel in this scene cuz he's very serious about saving these kids. And he's like this is a two man job. Yeah. And actually as it turns out a three man job. Yeah, because, and we get our third man because, hey, guess who's back? It's Gun! Yay! Yeah, Yay. Uh, yeah and I, I love this. It, Gun doesn't have a huge part in this episode, but I love the part that he does have, and it shows that a- both Angel and Gun are becoming more comfortable with each other, mm-hmm. which will lead into him being a bigger part of the series.
1: Yeah. I love him. Angel's trying to convince him to help him, and Gun's pushing back and he's like "Tell why, why should i do it angel's like because it's gonna be dangerous and Gun just huge grin and just goes all right. <laughs> all right you son of a bitch i'm in <laughs>
0: so uh the next day we have um so basically what they're trying to do is they need the info on this hit that the that some of the clientele of Wolfram and Hart are making Vanessa do. Yeah. They Because Holland Holl- yeah, wouldn't Holl- tell Lindsay yeah, more than Holland he says the throughout. less that you know, the better. Which makes sense, uh, as I've seen a lot in the practice. It's like, <laughs> oh, if you, you cannot be held culpable of things that yeah. you don't know of, which is why they're like, okay, tell me like uh, there's this recent episode of the practice that I watched, where this guy um, runs into the runs into the law office with a uh, with a knife, and he's like, "I need a lawyer," and uh, and he ends up leaving the knife in the conference room. And Alan Shore, played by the amazing James Spader, he's able to leave, and uh, the police decide not to search them, but they're like, "Oh, Mister Shore, do you know where?" The knife is that uh, an eyewitness talked about, and he's like, "I don't." And they say, "Like, are you, are you, are is it in your office?" And he's like, "I don't know if it's in my office." <laughs> and uh, and so everybody is like, all the other lawyers are waiting outside the conference room, and he's like, "So it's very possible that he may have hid a knife in there, but don't go in there because." As, at this point, we can neither confirm nor deny that the knife is in the conference room. We're like, so we just can't use the conference <laughs> room? He's like, better not to for right now.
1: Plausible deniability. Exactly. <laughs> uh,
0: but yeah, so they need to break into Wolfram and Hart into a specific vault and steal some of their data files. Mm-hmm. So... Angel is in the sewers, and he's underneath Wolferman and Hart, and he is uh, welding himself away in, and Lindsay is uh, making his way down to the lower levels to leave his badge there so that Angel will have access into the vault. Mm-hmm. As he goes in, though, he runs into our third LM, Lila Morgan. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it. and... I will say, as great as it is to see Lila, she doesn't really contribute a lot to the scene, except that it's meant to kind of build tension yeah. as this whole thing is going on. Yeah,
1: because for the, for the most part, the plan, it's a good plan, it, and it's executed flawlessly. So, well, up up until point. Up <laughs> to a point. Up um, until a point. But... So, yeah, just having at least a moment of tension in there is, is good. And I, like you said, I'm always here for Lila Morgan.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, Lindsay goes into the uh, security office and he's having a talk with the security guy. But there's also a shrouded, hooded figure that we can't really, like, see the face of. It's just, it looks very out of place in this law office. Mm-hmm. Cue Charles Gunn. Gunn comes in and... Uh, Basically just walks in with this, uh, with this, uh, black guy swagger. Um, hopefully that's not an offensive term, but like he's,
1: he's putting on a, he is putting on a big act of that's a bit stereotypical, but on purpose.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So he comes in with this swagger and he's like, basically just, uh, like calling out Wolfram and Hart (laughs) calling out the security guards being like, Oh yeah, I get it. You'll go, you'll protect the demon. (laughs) You'll protect the vampire, but you won't protect... You'll protect the dead man, but you won't protect the black man. Yep.
1: He has a great line where he refers to uh, Wolfram and Hart as a mecca for evil white people. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. He's not wrong. <laughs> uh, but, uh,
0: but, yeah, so it's like... But um, he's checking his watch like, oh, I gotta go. But before I do, and he has his guys bringing this wrapped up package. just turned uh, out just to be a vampire. And the reason that happens is because that shrouded figure was in fact the vampire detector, which is just like this demon that anytime they detect a vampire, they're like, (laughs) and as that is revealed, as the vampire is revealed, then that is when Angel, um, enters the building. Yeah. It's
1: It's really clever.
0: Yeah. It's a good plan. And, uh, the guards proceed to... What's really cool about the uh, Wolferman Heart Guards is that they're obviously trained for this sort of thing. So their uh, nightsticks actually have stakes inside of them. Yeah, I like that detail. That was it, cool. It is, it is a cool detail. And uh, Angel is able to get the key card and he's able to get into the vault and he is able to find the data disks. Yes. Angel grabs the data disks. Also... We don't often see Angel in a suit and tie, but I mean, just like everything else, except one strange garment that he's wearing in this episode. Yeah. I mean, and he didn't look bad in it. It was like this zip up. Um, it was very
1: different from what he wears. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: Like, cause we're used to seeing Angel wearing, um, he'll wear his long sleeve, uh, shirts and he'll wear his, uh, his open collared button downs. But this one was like a zip-up shirt, almost like a, almost like an athletic shirt. Yeah. And uh, it's so weird. It was the zipper that threw me off. Yeah. Like, we've seen what Angel wears. Even his coats don't have zippers. <laughs> I don't even know if Dolce & Gabbana makes things with zippers. Angel's
1: like, I'm not dealing with these newfangled zippers. <laughs> Give me a button-up fly any day. <laughs>
0: but oh my god have you ever had pants with a button-up fly
1: yes actually <laughs> I yeah <laughs> had, i had
0: one pair of pants uh in my life that wasn't like a rented tux or something and it was uh it was weird it was like a, i it was a pair of these like
1: corduroy pants i bought
0: yeah i think yeah. mine were too um and yeah, wow. like, and I was all, anytime I wore them, I was a little worried, like, uh, what if I need to pee? And I, <laughs> and I like, oh no. I'm, like, with the buttons. Uh,
1: these pants have buttons on them, but these are,
0: these are PJ pants. Yeah. Yeah. They're lounge pants, I believe, is what they're called. Oh, but yeah, they're, they're pajama, pants. they're pajama pants, too. <laughs> pajama And I keep, <laughs>
1: I, I'm sure you've noticed, I keep, like, going back and forth between, like, <laughs> Having them, like, pulled down and then pulling them up because mm-hmm. I, like, get hot. And then I'm like, oh, no, I'm cold. Oh, no, no, I'm hot. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, that, that's unfortunate for you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, Angel's about to leave with the discs. But then he sees something. And it is a just a cylinder with some writing on it. And uh, he's kind of drawn to it. And I'm sure at this point, most people are like, just get out of there. You don't need that. There's like a whole lot of weird shit in this vault. You don't need, but angel decides to grab that. And the minute that he does, it sets off an alarm. One of
1: one very predictable thing happens. Yes.
0: (laughs) So angel, um, angel still puts that in his bag, slides out of there and he's, uh, and uh, he's out. Oh, I I was realizing that (laughs) angel doing this, Directly leads to Lee getting killed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Indirectly leads to, oh, yeah. leads to Lee getting killed because it's right. Lee being a piece of shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's
1: what leads to Lee being discovered.
0: Yeah. <laughs> is and then killed. Yeah. Uh, but um, we also forgot to mention, minor detail here, but there was a demon guarding the vault. Oh, yeah. Uh, and Lindsay had given them the details. Wesley had done the research and he gave. Angel like uh, a magic powder yeah. that uh, he's able to blow into that thing's face and it's I, I I thought that moment
1: was so funny because we've seen the like blow the potion thing before but it's like always Willow who does shit like that yeah and also like <laughs> Angel probably could have taken this thing probably. but he's like
0: you know what I'm on a t- I'm on a timetable yeah. here yeah <laughs> uh, but Angel does get out. Um, as I said before, Holland calls the associates and uh, he also brings in the mind readers. I
1: these mind readers have like no lines. They're on screen for 20 seconds at most. I love them.
0: They're beautiful. They're
1: beautiful. Their look is They've so They've got the presence. Yeah, I was I was so intimidated by these two women. Mm-hmm. Um they their their costume design was cool. Their haircut was like Strange but flattering. Do you know
0: what I mean? Like, so props up to Kylana Smith and Don Suggs, who play yeah, our mind readers. They, yeah, killed it. Um, and by it, <laughs> zero do, lines, zero lines, but just the presence.
1: Um, and yeah, so.
0: yeah. So obviously, Lindsay's a little worried because, hey, mind readers. And uh, Lee walks in just a smirk on his face, like, I got nothing to worry about. And lies like, Shit, I'm going to miss my lunch. <laughs> I
1: love... Everyone else is so nervous. I, like, Lindsay in particular, that's who we're focused on. And we know he has something to hide. But, like, all the other employees you see, like, they're just like, oh, shit, what the fuck? And I love Lila's absolute confidence of, like, her only thing is she's annoyed that
0: she has to cancel this meeting that she's going to miss because of this. I mean, also, it's a lunch meeting. And if I had to cancel, like, lunch plans... I'd be kind of sad because you make lunch plans. You're, pro- I don't know about you guys, but I'm already like kind of preparing myself for, ooh, what kind of thing do I want to eat? And then I like build it up in my mind. So somebody's like, oh, yeah, we're not going to go out. And I'm like, oh, I got to eat something at home. I was looking forward to like something new or something that I love.
1: What do you think is Lila Morgan's go-to lunch item that she when she's having a business lunch and she's paying what do you think she goes I, for
0: she seems like a caesar salad person
1: with salmon on top that's what okay, i was yeah, thinking yeah yeah i can get down with that i was i was thinking caesar salad with salmon now if the other person's paying she goes full steak like 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 the ni- a nice cut
0: actually i'd say like maybe a uh, maybe a grilled salmon uh, maybe because um Seafood tends to be one of the more expensive items on a mm-hmm. menu. Uh, but also, like, uh, Lila is in very good shape. True. Like, even with her suits on, I could tell that she takes good care of herself. <laughs> yeah. And, hey, salmon, they give you those omega 3 fatty acids mm. that are really good for I you. I love salmon so much. Salmon's delicious. Mm. Uh, what were we talking about? A mind reading. <laughs> 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 May not stop for uh, some food on the way home. <laughs> but. Uh, uh, yeah, so basically these mind readers just look, they read the minds, they don't really do anything. It's just to us it's this piercing stare. Mm-hmm. And uh, they linger a bit on Lindsay. They go to Lila, they come back to Lindsay, quick look, and then they go back. Um, they also like gave every other person like a glance as well. Yeah. And uh, they go back and they talk to uh, Holland. Holland then says, oh, it's always disappointing when, uh, there's betrayal in the firm. And, uh, there's this guard that's moving behind the lawyers. And, uh, he's like, as he's saying, it's very disappointing. The lack of loyalty. He's looking directly at Lindsay, but then he moves to Lee Mm -hmm. and it is revealed that Lee has been meeting with another law firm, which, hey, there's another law firm that does what Wolfram and Hart does. (laughs) that's scary (laughs) right but lee is trying to not only leave wolferman Hart, but take some clients with him and this leaves him getting shot in the head yep so bye bye lee mercer we are
1: down in lm and we're fine with it yeah i I cheered (laughs) yeah
0: um you were gonna bring up what lee's purpose was yeah
1: um so it's very interesting Right? Because, so what happens next is that he, like, everyone, you leave. And I actually remember thinking when I first watched this episode, like, oh, well, this is a, I mean, I'm glad this guy's dead, but this feels like a bit of a cheat. Um, but no, he stops Lindsay, keeps Lindsay behind, and reveals that he knows exactly what Lindsay did as well. But it's so interesting to me that he chooses to kill Lee and give Lindsay a second chance um, despite the fact that Lee's betrayal was far less severe. So what that tells me is that Holland had so little regard for Lee, he also, was disposable.
0: Also, I think um, Holland could very much detect the uncertainty yep. in Lindsay. Mm-hmm. Whereas Lee... He's got that smarmy look on his face. He knows exactly what he's doing. He is ready to just, Mm -hmm. like, be disloyal as shit. Exactly. And Holland
1: very smartly uses this moment to pretty expertly manipulate Lindsay. Um, because Lee's purpose in Lee's death is partially Holland saying,
0: Look what I can do to you. That could have (laughs) been you.
1: Um, and it's not um and even I mean he flat out says it at at one point he says am I going to tell the this guard behind me am I going to am I going to nod my head to my friend standing back there um and Lee's purpose in the series one is to uh give us Lee exists partially I think to make us root more for Lindsay and Lila.
0: Yeah, Lee Lee much more than Lila and Lindsay is the typical jackass lawyer. Uh-huh. Um I was talking about uh in the Faith episodes, um, how Lindsay Lindsay does come across as a yuppie, but Lee super comes across as a yuppie. Yeah. yeah.
1: So it, it it's really it's actually a really smart way of going, um yeah, these two people are awful, but, like, this guy is like <laughs> awful. But also, his death here is is the beginning of Lindsay. Um, uh, you know, it's it, his death is used as a manipulation tool to... Well, it's one of the tools that Holland uses to manipulate Lindsay into choosing Wolfram and Hart at the end.
0: And it gives a little bit more view into how the senior partner's even even the lawyers are expendable.
1: Yeah, even the look—they're expendable, but but also expendable. But they're not just so stupid as to say like you know anytime anyone betrays us, they're dead. Yeah, they are also looking at what is this person bringing? Obviously, they felt like Lee had no value, was not worth keeping around. Lindsay has fucked up quite a bit recently as they were talking about and this is a pretty huge betrayal but they still see a lot of value in him so they're not they're not willing at least at this point in time to p- pull the proverbial and literal trigger
0: yeah
1: Um, and but I think there's also very much of an unspoken for now like mm-hmm. And I think that's for everyone. I'm sure whoever Holland's boss is has the yeah. same, like, you know, the same, yep. like, you know, you, you know, you are useful to me currently.
0: But yeah, um, as we've like basically kind of danced around, just flat out saying, uh, Holland asked Lindsay to stay behind, very much aware that of everything that happened and, uh, he gives Lindsay this chance. He's like, take a few days and think about what's really important to you. And, uh, and he's like, okay, back at Angel Investigations, um, they don't know if Lindsay's, if Lindsay survived or not, Angel and just doesn't that. really care. No
1: one really does, because when Lindsay does come back in later, Cordelia is just like, oh, we thought
0: maybe you were dead. <laughs> yeah, um, Angel gives the discs to Cordelia, and she starts, uh, trying to open the, like, uh, open them in the computer, and, uh, Wesley notices, like, why'd you take this? And Angel's like, I don't really know. Uh, Wesley opens up the cylinder and inside is a scroll. And he's like, I guess I'll get to work translating that. And uh, unfortunately, like Cordelia points out that, hey, maybe you need some work, maybe you need some help translating this. Mm -hmm. And uh, turns out that it is heavily encrypted, that the discs are heavily encrypted. But... I think we all know somebody who just recently has done some Delighted. decrypting, and uh, even though she doesn't appear in the episode, uh, we do see Cordelia on the phone with Willow, and this is actually taking place at some pre... point during Primeval. Yeah, at some point during Primeval, because Willow has been work so probably at the point where she and Tara. Are just like in Tara's uh, mm-hmm. dorm room, and uh, she, Tara's cheering her on, and uh, Willow's trying to decrypt the uh, the files from the Initiative.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm trying to yeah. So I'm gonna guess this is this is happening. This conversation is happening post fight, post fight, post Willow decrypting quote unquote the the disk that decrypts itself, but before the gang all meets back up together right yeah it must have because it you know just a tiny little like spoiler next week's episode of buffy is going to take pick up pretty much not super super long after the end of the episode so there wouldn't have been time for yeah
0: um but yeah, uh, but yeah Cordelia does mention like guess what they've been doing all day <laughs> decrypting files <laughs> <laughs> so, I, yeah. Angel's
1: so impatient he's just like what a coincidence, what a coincidence. <laughs> and at one point she's like Cordy's like oh oh Willow says hi <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah um, so Willow does in fact help them decrypt the files and they're able and just as Lindsay shows up too And they're able to get um, exactly where these children are being held. Also, why they're being taken out. These children are actually... um, They're they're psychics as well. They're Mm -hmm. precogs. And uh, since they're children, as they grow older... And there's three of them. So Wesley says they're actually like a triumvirate. And as they grow older, their powers are going to grow even even more powerful and they have the ability to see to the heart of things clients of wolfram and heart feel threatened by this <laughs> yeah so that's why they're sending this blind assassin not to be confused with the margaret atwood novel uh <laughs> to take them out and uh they are able to find the uh the place where the children are currently being held and that their uh, their handler is supposed to meet up with them angel says Wesley cordelia go meet with the handler don't make sure he doesn't go to that safe house and Lindsay and him end up going to the safe house. And now we get our Vanessa back. Yeah. Uh, we
1: do learn that Vanessa from these files. We learned that Vanessa was not blind at birth. She did it to herself. Yikes. Um, and that she, um, she went and joined some order with a mystical sounding name and, Uh, trained these skills um to be able to to heighten her senses um yeah
0: yeah and uh so that's why she's like that's why she's daredevil yeah (laughs) Uh, but uh she's about to kill the children after killing like the guy who was watching over over them and uh but then angel shows up and uh, as well as Lindsay. So they're working together. They're tag teaming on this one. And uh, Lindsay's trying to get the kids out. Uh, Angel is trying to fight Vanessa. Vanessa gives is able to kick the crap out of both of them. Uh, but then Angel finally develops strategy. He realizes that her sense of movement, her her visual sense is tied into sound. So if Angel stays completely still then she doesn't know mm-hmm. where he is so he's able to just like stay still and then punch her so, so she doesn't have time to react are you telling me she's a t-rex she's a t-rex <laughs> <laughs> i knew it as soon as i saw that stupid grin on his face I'm like he's gonna make this about jurassic park isn't he Isn't he? <laughs> listen
1: i'm from so lucky i about jurassic park <laughs> We're going to run out of... Uh, we're gonna, that thing's going to run its course real quick. <laughs> the, <laughs> the frequency that we're using. It. Um, they
0: they are able to save the kids. Um, Angel's able to like just beat the crap out of... No. Slowly beat the... Impatiently beat the crap out of Vanessa. Oh, now
1: he has patience. Yeah. <laughs> he's talking to Cordelia. No patience. Fine. Whatever. <laughs> um, and then he just fucking kills her. Yeah. I... You know, I... Angel is, I appreciate that Angel has his, you know, typically won't kill humans rule, but he's not quite, not quite as strict about it as Buffy is.
0: Speaking of which, we glossed over it a little bit. Um, Angel does, in fact, uh, when he's going through his whole existential crisis, he does talk about how um, there are times when he kind of uh, envies Wolfram and Hart because he Mm -hmm. remembers a time when he could kill without prejudice and guilt and responsibility. Yeah. Uh, he's like, yeah, I remember that. (laughs) the good old days. But yeah. Um, the children are able to be taken to their mentor, uh, or, um, hold her hand. I think he's, I think he's,
1: I think they call him a mentor. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Basically whoever's going to raise them and like teach them how to use their
0: powers. And, um, and uh wesley comes in with his typical you did good work today angel and uh then he talks about how the he has translated the scroll and there is actually a part of the scroll that talks about the children and uh how important they are though to be honest they're not going to be really important (laughs) for the rest of the series never mentioned again but uh he does mention that there is a whole paragraph about angel not by name but a vampire with a soul Mm -hmm. and as far as we know angel's the only one that that applies to and this is when wesley and angel's a little like kind of surprised by this and it was like this is why you were drawn to that and it also means that you have a place in this world and you have a place in this story so very much a resolution of what happened of angels like existential crisis beforehand. And we're going to find out more about this scroll in the next episode.
1: You know, what's so interesting. I just realized, uh, Buffy did this exact same thing in its first season. It introduces a prophecy, the, a prophecy about Buffy in, uh, in the second to last episode that angel discovers and gives to Giles that then, of course, becomes the prophecy about the master killing her mm-hmm. in in the finale. Here we get these what are called the prophecies of aber uh, aber Aberge uh, something. Um, and we get it in the second to last episode of this season. and the the next episode is gonna be about whatever this is. Um, so but I think that's kind of cool I, parallel.
0: but yeah, it, it is a parallel, but at the same time, uh, that prophecy was resolved fairly quickly. Yeah. Uh, the Buffy one was the prophecy that we're going to find out in the season finale of Angel is going to be very important going forward for the rest of the series. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, and probably not a a parallel done on purpose. I just, we'll we'll get, we'll get there. But, uh, we do not end this episode with Angel. We end it with Lindsay who, um, is returning to Wolfram and Hart. He goes to Holland's office, which all this shit is being moved out. And, uh, he's like, here are the discs back. And he's like, oh, I guess you just made copies. I'm like, well, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, this is when Holland looks at him and he says, listen, um, I know you think that you're here to like stand on the moral high ground or whatever and, uh, and like make this, make this showing, but let me, uh, let me see like what they actually go into. Oh yeah he says that it's noble that uh lindsey rescued the children um but he also and Lindsay's like oh yeah i want i want my own life away from Wolfram and hart and uh, he wants out and this is when holland's like you don't understand we're all a part of something larger and uh whereas Lindsay was thinking, like, trying to find, like, what is his place outside of Wolfram and Hart, as opposed to Angels, like, what is my place in this world with Wolfram and Hart? Now Holland is saying, like, Lindsay, you don't have this choice. He handpicked him because he saw that there was, um, there was a massive amount of potential there. And, uh, And Lindsay did one thing that few people have done before he was able to go against wolfram and Hart and win and holland's like yeah somebody who has the ability to do that that's who i need at this company because holland's moving upstairs mm-hmm. and he's like yeah and there's a promotion for you you get this office which is a sweet office you get ungodly benefits and a pay raise and uh so yeah it's your choice and Lindsay looks around takes a seat in that office chair that desk chair and admires the view mm-hmm.
1: it's and very much an angel, that. Yeah, and oh, angel
0: oh and um he looks at the city lights and angel atop of his modest office building is doing the same thing
1: it's we talked talked about the banality of evil before and it's very much that Mm -hmm. i mean all it took was you know you matter also here's a raise in a bigger office yep and Lindsay's like okay i'll take it and it's a pretty damning statement about the quality of his soul um but I also think it's a pretty damning statement about just humanity in general because I think a lot of people would have done the same in his position. Yeah. And um, he can tell himself, well, I just saved those kids, so I'm not a complete monster.
0: So I, I want the, I want a caveat that um, if you had been, like, specifically that position of Lindsay's, if you had already been so deep into that you've already done stuff for Wolfram and mm-hmm. hart then yeah, you'd probably take that pay gra- that pay, that pay uh, raise. Um, if you're like being offered this job just off the street, <laughs> maybe not. I'd like to hope that you would, right. but yeah, um, yeah. And Lindsay, Lindsay realizes that like, hey, I'm good with this. A minute.
1: Yeah, okay. and I think that's just what makes him uh, such an interesting character. Yeah, because uh, he has this moral quandary um and he does the right thing in that regard but then turns around and makes the the larger wrong decision
0: and that's what and honestly that's what um angel and that's what Angel's kind of all about Mm -hmm. it is about the um it is about the question of uh whether having this morality is worth it and you've already you've already said this before in this Mm -hmm. episode but uh yeah and it's it's kind of cuts to the heart of the show Mm -hmm. and yeah i just want to say this is a good episode it's a really good good episode i it was so
1: funny going and being like yeah it's the blind assassin episode like i'm uh, okay I really don't remember my feelings for it, so they probably weren't that strong. And then I was just like... The best thing,
0: you were thinking that it was just the Blind Assassin episode, but so in much fact, more. yeah, there's so much more to it. I'm going to give this four out of five extremely spacious offices. Mm-hmm.
1: This is going to be um, four out of five uh, alluring scrolls.
0: yeah. Uh, but yeah, this is this is great because like we said at the top of the episode, um Angel is going to over this over the next episode and the next seasons, the rest of the show, Angel's going to build up a much bigger mythology, mm-hmm. a mythos, if you will. I will. And all right, a mythos. <laughs> and and it kind of starts here. Um we we get like a much bigger like we realize that oh, Angel isn't just like helping the helpless. He has a much bigger purpose. And Wolfram and Hart, they are much bigger antagonists than this season has let on. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah. Um Yeah, I I uh, yeah, it's the world just kind of blew open in this episode. Yeah. Um, in a way that's very exciting. Uh, so we mentioned while we were watching the episode that the actress playing uh, Vanessa. Her name is Jennifer Badger. She looked uncomfortably like a mix of Eliza Dushku and Amy Acker. And I looked her up on IMDb. She's largely a stunt person. I just learned here in the behind the scenes, she was uh, she was Eliza Dushku's stunt double. yeah, okay, there you go. So, <laughs> there you go. Uh, and she also did some doubling for charisma as well um although charisma has fewer action sequences
0: basically uh, any dark-haired uh character <laughs> that we needed it for yeah yeah we've got
1: you you have your your blonde stunt double your brunette stunt double and your redheaded stunt double you're good to go for yeah. all the ladies so. yeah all right that tracks <laughs> and and for the guys you really just need one dark-haired stunt double. Yeah, um, oh, I guess they had to get a have to get a blonde for uh, for Riley and Spike.
0: Yeah, and
1: sometimes Oz. Awesome. <laughs>
0: um, any, anything? I wonder if uh, I wonder if Oz's hair color was like predetermined by the availability of the stunt doubles. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, Anya probably has a similar situation going. On. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, any other? thoughts before we take this out not really
0: i think we kind of covered it very well this is a fun episode Fun
1: episode uh and a nice uh nice surprise because i feel like most of the time we go into these episodes already knowing how we're gonna feel coming out for the most part um so it was fun to kind of rediscover this episode Mm -hmm. and be like oh maybe this is one i should revisit more often yeah instead of yeah instead of just uh... when i'm doing a rewatch
0: yeah, like, uh, and, you know, maybe a way to remember that would be, uh, Primeval leads into, uh, the season finale of Buffy. This clearly leads into the season mm-hmm. finale of Angel. Yeah. So, um, we just I'm... considered an unofficial two-parter. Yeah. Um,
1: also, wow. We've just got the finales left and then... Yeah, this we're almost year. done with this year. <laughs> well... Thank you for joining us on Booze and Buffy. We'll be back next week with Bobby the Vampire Slayer, Season 4, Episode 22, Restless, with Surprise Special Guest. Um, And, I mean, I think we're just going to have a fuck ton of fun with this one, because it is a fuck uh, ton of fun.
0: Yeah, guys, uh, you're not ready for what's coming next week.
1: (laughs) You ain't ready for this I I,
0: I may have said that once or twice before in... uh, in my time on this podcast, but you really aren't yeah. ready. Cause if this is your first time watching the show, you're not ready. Yeah. You're just not ready for what comes next. And you'll see yeah. why. You'll,
1: because every new Buffy watcher who, who at least if they haven't been had it spoiled for them, goes, will go into probably goes into the season four finale going, okay, well what's next? They've already killed Adam. And then watching the episode, you're going to be like, what the fuck is going what? on? What's going on?
0: And it's awesome. Um, yeah. I'm Jason. You can find me on Instagram at yamij357 and on Twitter at just plain old yamij. I'm
1: Harrison. You can find me on Instagram at Harrison and on Twitter at HarrisonKaufman. That's spelled C-O-F-F-M-A-N. And I write a blog called horrorbyharrison.blogspot.com where I write about a different horror film every week this week we're we're a little ahead of our of our normal recording schedule so i'm making sure my calendar is right yes well, well
0: the last episode we talked about you doing manhattan
1: yes so this this week uh going to hell <laughs> i'm probably uh yes continuing my friday the 13th theme month uh jason goes to hell the final friday this is the point in the series uh, where they dropped Friday the 13th from the uh, titles because of rights um, because the the franchise got sold I can't remember from which studio to which studio but the but the studio who sold it retained the rights to the Friday the 13th name which is why your next three installments were, uh, jason goes to hell jason x and freddie versus jason
0: that's interesting because i was always kind of wondering why currently on hbo max the uh the only friday the 13th movie available on there is jason goes to hell really yeah huh. and i was always wondering and then that actually is kind of the thing that made me wonder like why is that not called friday the 13th but there you go
1: it's also the weirdest installment in the franchise and yes that's saying something I am saying it is weirder than Jason goes to space <laughs> um.
0: aka Jason X Yeah, Jason X is
1: fucking fun
0: <laughs> I need to watch that when I'm not severely intoxicated yeah
1: um uh, when I when I do my watch of it in a couple of weeks come on over and we'll watch it
0: alright uh, or I'll it. come to
1: you actually we can watch it on your giant TV your fuck ass TV I
0: mean I have a small TV. <laughs> <laughs> yes,
1: Jason's TV is very small and not worth breaking into his own and <laughs> stealing. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you can find us, Booze and Buffy, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Booze and Buffy, or you can email us at BoozeandBuffy at com. The and is spelled out A A-N-D. D. Mm-hmm.
1: And don't forget to subscribe and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, uh, or wherever you get your podcast, your podcatcher of choice, if you will. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh each week we like to give a shout out to a worthy charity or nonprofit. This week we're highlighting the American Printing House for the Blind. Since 1858, the American Printing House for the Blind has operated in Louisville, Kentucky, hometown shout out. Mm-hmm. As the world's largest nonprofit organization creating accessible learning experiences through educational, workplace and independent living pro- and independent living products and services for people who are blind and visually impaired. Visit www.aph.org for more information.
1: Yes. And, oh, holy shit. I forgot to do my gay agenda. So, I'll I'll leave us on the gay agenda. My gay agenda was mine and Jason's discussion during the episode of Lindsay's uh, preferred sexual position for anal penetration, um...
0: We just had a pretty deep conversation about this. We did. And I won't go into
1: Yeah, it actually, it started kind of as a joke, but then we it veered into like a, an in-depth It started in depth as a joke
0: because of how close
1: Lee was to, yeah. to Lindsay. In that we scene. thought he was going to enter him. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it did turn into a pretty in-depth conversation about uh, Lindsay's character arc in general so i can't talk about yeah all we about can't it. talk
0: about too much because there's a lot of spoilers yeah. for future developments but uh Lindsay is a bottom
1: but only for angel um and that's the gay agenda <laughs> um so as always go slay and be gay <laughs> bottom for angel